Hi, welcome back to another episode of Lobby Call. I'm your host, Maxwell Hunter. Uh, we have special guest here, Ryan Stinson. Uh, Dan will be joining us later. He's running a little late. Um, LA traffic. Right. Yeah, so Ryan is a music supervisor. He's an artist. He's a musician. Uh, am I missing anything else? He's a TikToker. <laughs> famous TikToker. Uh, Burgeoning TikToker. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'll let Ryan give uh, his own introduction. Uh, who is Ryan Finson? Uh, well, right now, I'm a music supervisor. Uh, I work for a company called Millennium Media, which is an independent studio in L.A. We have a studio in Bulgaria where we make all of our films, but um, that's like my profession. But on the side, I play trumpet. That's how we both met, mm -hmm. and um, I just have fun with that. And if the two could connect at any point, that's awesome. I love doing that, but it's... You know, I'm just all about music. Mm -hmm. That's that's what drives me and motivates me and gives me meaning. Mm -hmm. So as long as I'm contributing to the arts, it's like that's what I love to do. What what was first? Was it your trumpet playing first, or was it music supervising first? Um, it was first off. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what is music supervising for the well, people who don't know and viewers and listeners? Listen, yeah, listen. essentially, music supervision is the art form of pairing music with visual media. And uh, a lot of times there's just so many intricacies involved in it because you have to, first of all, find the song, clear the song, make sure the directors, producers right. like it, make sure it's a good fit. Is it the right time era? Is it like historically correct for whatever visual media you're going for? That's across film, TV, advertising, video games, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And, um, you know, American cinema hasn't been around for that long, let alone with audio. Um, so it's a relatively new craft and it's an exciting one because it's a great way for artists to make extra money right. and it's uh, an exciting way to just connect with people and it's an amazing feeling when you finally see this piece of visual media and you get to be part of a, a film that might be bigger than you know you as an artist right. so to be in a Mission Impossible or an Expendables film and to hear your song come on and it helps elevate a scene like times 20 right. and then you see your credits in the end and then you get great publicity because now you're attached with tom cruise or whoever else mm -hmm. and your song blows up i mean you saw it happen to charlie puth with fast yeah. and furious i mean that became the uh, emotional song almost of all time yeah. Yeah. I mean, they played it at you know Kobe's memorial. Mm -hmm. They, it's just been like the heartfelt anthem for right. whenever it's needed. And I think that's the power of music. You hear, and why songs get so valuable and why they cost so much. If you hear it, the first two seconds of it, in your mind subconsciously, you know right. how the rest of the scene is going to play out and where mm -hmm. the the whole mood of the feeling is going to go. And right. so. Um, that, that in a nutshell is music supervision. And, um, I try to avoid being a music supervisor as long as possible, actually, because wow. the field is just really tough. I mean, it's harder to get on than an NBA team in terms of positions. Oh, wow. It's harder to, it's definitely harder to make money than the NBA. I mean, right. a lot of these music supervisors are independent, so they're jumping from project to project with different directors. Like, luckily at Millennium, I get to be in-house and at least have a steady slate. Right. But I'm also seeing their, all of their music, which 
not every music supervisor does. There's usually studios have uh, different divisions and they hire these music supervisors independently. But the opportunity presented itself after I left Lionsgate and uh, I've just been rocking with it. And uh, I've noticed, you know, saying you're a music supervisor immediately, artists are intrigued because they have something to sell and I have something to buy. So, uh, at first I, I wanted to be referred to as a music executive or a head of music, but Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll go with music supervisor. I'll 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 go with music supervisor for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, like what is the, first off, like what is the, the process of being a music supervisor? Is it like, Oh, Hey, uh, Lionsgate, for example, Uh uh, I want to be music supervisor. Is it like an application? What what's the process for? Um, to getting to be one, I, f- I I believe you first should have somewhat of a musical background. I mean, okay. it's, it amazes me always how many executives out there don't know how to read or play music, and you don't have. That's the great thing. Okay. Like you don't have to, but yeah. it certainly helps when you're right. interacting with the very people that do that as their living and art form. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of getting into it. As I was saying, it's very relationship-based. Like these directors and producers, they have certain go-to people, and that's why you'll see maybe the top ten percent of music supervisors get all these gigs, is because they've made a rapport. They, you know, that they're reliable. You know, they have the co- connections, mm-hmm. and you know they could bring a million-dollar music budget down to two hundred thousand or less. Right. They know the tricks. They have the relationships, and can can get you there with a certain budget so um breaking in all you need is one hit really to to rock it up there or one relationship with a producer or director to establish with that's why so many composers get repeating gigs is because they establish a relationship with the director like john williams and um steven spielberg you have des platt and wes anderson you have damon chazelle and justin hurwitz it's like you film a you form a bond with someone yeah. and you you get in a rhythm and you don't want to disrupt that right and it's not worth taking in a risk with someone else so it, music supervisors kind of fall in that spot it's like one of the, joel c high music supervisor he does all of tyler perry stuff okay. because he's done a relationship with him right. and he does a great job every time so um i think relationships are super important and um you know it was a long grind for me i was at I worked my way up from being an assistant and then uh, executive assistant and then joining Lionsgate as a coordinator and being there for six years and seeing what music supervisors do but not really getting the opportunity to do it. Mm -hmm. But I was doing some other things such as uh, working on a lot of soundtracks and working with seeing how marketing works and publicity with all those fun things. And then when the opportunity finally came, it was like, okay, now you just got to dive in and do it. Hopefully. Yeah, and you you've done um, Hitman's Bodyguard mm-hmm. and the sequel to it, right? Or no? uh, so I have I worked on Hitman's Bodyguard. I worked on the soundtrack for the first one while I was at Lionsgate, and then when I left Lionsgate, I ended up becoming the music supervisor for the film, uh, the sequel, which yeah. was pretty cool because I just got to do things in a higher capacity and mm-hmm. oversee the soundtrack and uh, pick all the music for it and. Uh, work with the director closely so that was a lot of fun okay what, yeah. what would you say is your, like your your favorite movie because i know you work on a, a lot of different movies uh mm-hmm. hitman's bodyguard till death jolt um what's that one? Is it- uh, and then we 
this next Friday, the 20th, August 20th, is the Protégés coming out as okay. well. That's right. with Maggie Q and Michael Keaton yeah, and yeah, yeah. Samuel, Samuel Jackson. Jackson. Yep. So I'm excited about that one as well. Um, it's tough to name a favorite because each film has its unique characteristics and they're so different. Like Some are comedies, some are dramas, some right. are thrillers and horror films and musicals like La La Land. But um, at Millennium, my favorite one to work on was probably hitman's bodyguard so far uh just because it was a lot of music there were 17 songs in there Mm -hmm. there were challenges because we had to do it over covid um uh, i was given a nice budget for it so i had some fun with that and Mm -hmm. um but uh you know i mean working on la la land was a dream uh when i was at lionsgate that was just one of those projects where I was given more responsibility and so was able to did do you, a little bit more. Did you meet Ryan Gosling? Uh, not directly. Uh, I didn't meet him directly, but I saw him on the red carpet when the premiere happened and I had to do a couple things for him. There was a... Uh, like, I had to get his coffee. He, but <laughs> <pretty> much, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you're Ryan, I'm Ryan. Right. Let's do this. It was... Uh, publicity approached me uh, and they, they said... Ryan's going to be on the Ellen show mm. and and we he wants to give the audience something because Ellen's really into that you know right. giving away things to all of our audience so th- he was wondering if we give give away the soundtrack and I said I was like oh that's that would be amazing publicity so I got in contact with Interscope who was releasing it and distributing mm. it and I said hey we need 500 vinyl copies which is a lot yeah. that's a lot of vinyl yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh they said yeah but they saw the value in it because mm-hmm. it would it would it's just great publicity and um so it turned out all the vinyl was going to be delivered on the day of the show uh but ryan also wanted everyone to get something to be able to play the vinyl he wanted everyone to get a record li- uh, player right so i started reaching out to all these companies hey there he is my apologies gentlemen. oh no worries at all Dan's here. What's up? What's my name? Good to see you. Hello. Ryan is here. I'm so underdressed. Yeah. Welcome to the party. He's like, ah. Oh, there we go. Oh, 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 oh. 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 So Dan's back. He uh, missed the episode, but it's all good. He's, he's, he's in uh, good we're just, spirits. We're just getting started. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're literally just getting started. Fantastic. Yeah, well we're done. talking about uh, Ryan being a... A music supervisor for different movies and La La Land and um, I'm, a, I'm familiar I'm a fan <laughs> you know The Protégé is about to come out and we're just talking about that we know you're a, a movie buff if uh, you will uh, more or less <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> now we were just talking about just like um, you know the is Omni? no? yeah yeah, yeah that's one yeah. yes this is the Omni uh, no? if you just sit back all the way yeah it'll mm. pick it up it'll pick up just, just like that <clears throat> hello 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 um, but yeah, you were, you were saying, okay, Ryan. so I was just telling a story about, he said, if I ever met Ryan Gosling and I, I had to do something for him basically. And he was being on the Ellen show. And so I had to get 500 pieces of vinyl of the soundtrack to give to the audience members as a gift. But then Ryan was also like, how are they going to be able to play the vinyl? <laughs> And I was like, that's a great that's point. Well, yeah, no one the, has vinyl players. Not right. Really, not I think the statistic really. was 70% of people who receive vinyl can't even play it. Right. But that's a lot. I'm count- shocked that it's like 70%. Yeah. Uh, that, that's like 
that's way less than I expected, actually. Well, uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, and I was also thinking that it's of people who receive a vinyl. Like, you're not going to give a vinyl to someone who's not musically inclined or not going to listen to yeah. it or something. Or like an audio file or something, right. you know? Yeah. Right. yeah. But that's one of the reasons why we included a digital download in mm, every single... That makes sense. A QR code. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. like Redeem here. It was also a weird time before everyone had access to streaming. I mean, it was mm. 2016, 17, but it's, that was still relatively new. Mm. And so I had to reach out to all these different companies to say, hey, would you give us 500 vinyl players gratis? And vinyl players are really expensive, as, yeah. as we all know, at least quality ones. Especially good ones, yeah. Yeah. Right. And um, this company, Vinyl, V-N-Y-L, they had their subscription vinyl. Uh, they, they send you three vinyls a, a month based on your playlist that you listen to, which mm. is kind of cool. You, like, you don't know what you're going to receive, and it's a good way for you to find new music. But they said, yeah, we'll give 500 vinyl players to The Ellen Show. Mm. So they did. And um, it ended up turning out great because Ryan went on the show. Alan brought out that cart and revealed all the vinyls. Mm. And then the vinyl players were there as well. And it was like, everyone's super happy. And it ended yes, up I... becoming number one vinyl. So that was right. Dope. But just little things like that, um, where you, the music could help service the overall project in some way mm. and mm -hmm. form. Like you always look for those wins. Side note, what is your, your musical background? Because I know you went to UCLA, mm -hmm. right? Did you study, was it classical? Was it jazz? Was it... Yeah, I was classically trained. Okay. Um, going to, like, in high school, I was always doing swimming and water polo. But, like, okay. my, by my junior year, I just realized I wasn't going to make it uh, in co at the collegiate level. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I started to get good at trumpet. And I was part of the California Youth Symphony, which was awesome. And then uh, that kind of got me in shape for auditioning and right. classical repertoire and i wanted to be in a classical setting but then by my junior year of college i was just realizing this is going to be ridiculous because openings happen in an orchestra once every right. 15 yeah. years yeah. You like, you're, in, you're in like you're not yeah leaving. you're not it's gonna like, <laughs> it's like, like, this is a pretty solid like, final note. right it's like a, a post office job like yeah, yeah. you're not leaving until you're like you're no. like 90 years old you look at orchestras now or philharmonics if you will um yeah <laughs> and like they're like most of the people there are like really elderly and you know you see like grandma playing a flute and <laughs> violin and shit, so yeah uh, and yeah, so I just, I, I went to UCLA and then by, by my junior year, I just, I just realized it was going to be ridiculous. And my, thank God my professor told me straight up, you're, you're not going to make it. You're not, oh, you're not you at that level, but I needed that tough love and I needed, I mean, I, I was looking to go to other universities like, uh, UOP, which is in Stockton, University of Pacific or mm -hmm. some other places to do music. And there they might've encouraged me to keep doing it, yeah. but I was in a really big pond at ucla a small fish in a big pond so was, yeah. uh i realized quickly like I, this ain't it or i'm not gonna make it so and, that, that is, so that transitioned you into more of like uh not classical music but like like regular music yeah like more contemporary yeah there we go. Sure. yeah absolutely it was uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, anything but classical <laughs> smooth jazz uh Pop I just want to go on record that, that right. Max forgot the word. Yo! For, for, he forgot the word for pop today. Yeah. <laughs> like, normal like, music. Not normal music. <laughs> it's, it's regular. Anything other than non-classical. Non-classical. <laughs> that's what I got into. 
Okay, and yeah. so and that is that how you got just for the record, uh Ryan uh has done the trumpet for the Lil Nas X song that just came out not too long ago. That's it's, the whole beat as far as I'm concerned. You basically wrote the song as far Yeah. As well concerned. now I I cannot take credit because first of all, uh Nick Lee he wrote the horn line like over a year ago mm. and I was just sent it to add real trumpets too. Got you. Mm. Wait, so did, they, did they send you a mock up or they sent you Yeah, a... it was okay. it was like midis, it was real uh, a lot of lot a lot of trombone in there. It was mm. it was all trombone. Yeah. It was mm. all trombone when I got it. But they sent it to me at like nine o'clock on a Thursday night and you you know, you always gotta be worried about your neighbors and playing but sure. they're like, We need this back it's ASAP. Like, and I was listening to it and there's there's a lot of harmonies in that that like dun 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 mm-hmm. bum 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 yeah, like yeah. it goes up and down and all over. So I was just layering it as much as possible, doing all the octaves and there's this outro as well and i sent that back and um yeah they were like yeah you're in it and i was like that's dope that's yeah, that, yeah yeah that's like oh. it's like oh the placement of the century uh yeah i'll take that yeah yeah <laughs> it's, 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 no no you're famous now this is well, yeah I saw all my friends about you right <laughs> <laughs> well the cool part was yesterday i was driving in the car uh i went to the in irvine the la rams are having their practice mm. uh center which is pretty cool and i went there uh, with my dad and I, the hit station was on and the song came on and it's just you look over and it's just like one of those cool things where yeah, you're like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah that's me yeah yeah i mean like how, how emotional of a moment is that for you because i mean like granted like we're so like sort of kind of not, not, we're not really in quarantine anymore mm-hmm. but like have you been to a festival and watch you know fifty thousand people hundred thousand mm-hmm. people go up to something that you played on yet yeah have, i mean it so was you experienced that no i mean seeing jack post that on his Lollapalooza set mm. it was the crowd and they're just going freaking wild mm-hmm. to the yeah. Yeah. yeah it's fire it's and fire. yeah and uh i i was telling uh, maxwell about just like doing this tiktok i a little tiktok i made just about how it came mm. together it's like right it's 15 seconds long i was just like i was sent I, it's that voice that you, you the text to voice yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like what it feels like to be sent a song and have it turn into a hit right and then it just showed me like recording over it and uh, it's at six hundred thousand views right now on TikTok. Like it got shared and stuff. So he's TikTok and, famous, and not, yeah. I'm just saying, like, if there's any way that I could inspire like people to find a voice or to play or something on their instrument or mm-hmm. make a connection, because it's been a long burn. Like I've been doing this for a while in terms of reaching out to artists and just saying, hey, do you need horns? And mm-hmm. trying to let them know what the value of it is, right? Because you know you can't recreate any sound and have have the emotion or tone or not with midi yeah, no, for sure no for not sure. yet yeah, like some like some, some plugins are getting really close but yeah like, but like it's not it's not the, it's, it's, it's not, not the same, same right? it doesn't, it doesn't it's feel not, as heavy yeah. Right? yeah like especially like guitar like guitar and horn specifically like i feel like it doesn't matter how good the midi is how sophisticated yeah. the plugin is right it just never sounds the way it doesn't have that, that, that human touch yeah. to it no. you know yeah. what i mean like and jason derulo's uh trumpets was the song that really made me want to change that because <laughs> side I, note uh, real quick people always say that i look like jason derulo and what? i don't i don't see it. i don't no, see you it. look like Derek hodge I, I can exactly see more of that, yeah. but you're growing out the beard though a little bit, aren't I'm you? Trying, man. I gotta get that dermal roller going. You know it what takes mean? time. It takes time. I'm trying to be like you. Like, no, it takes you time. Have a great beard, yeah. man. This is all. This is all fake. <laughs> it's like it's, it's a weed. It right. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a strap on. <laughs> and canceled. <laughs> right. Yo. Um. But yeah, 
Yeah, that's fire, man. Like, um, oh, what's your TikTok so the viewers and listeners? Oh, all my socials and stuff is just music before. Okay. I made it consistent across. Even my website, musicbefore.com. Gotcha. I'm coming in late, so I don't know if you guys like discussed it already, but was the goal for you to play like in pop and contemporary and stuff like that, or was it like always more like film driven? Because I like, you know your music supervisor and stuff like that. Yeah, I I didn't want to do anything film based with trumpet, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. not recording or anything. It was more of just a side fun thing to do, which it, it is a lot of fun. Like I don't know what song's going to end up in my inbox or mm-hmm. who I'm going to meet, or but it's one of those things where they've kind of blended together just a little bit but um it's helping me get more a little street cred in my name out there more by just being like oh he's a musician but like his main profession and my the plan was always for my profession to be in the music business nice so where do you uh i had like eight questions i wanted to ask (laughs) um yes like where, where does where does performance fit in like for you it's it's late night i mean i work during the day for like from pretty much from nine to five mm. um the pandemic's changed up my whole approach sure. and thought mm-hmm. process on working because at lionsgate it's like you or and any corporate job that i had before i was an assistant at united talent agency it's like you get you get to your desk at like wow. nine o'clock wow. unbelievable taking nails <laughs> unbelievable like you get you get to your desk at nine o'clock you stay at your desk until lunch and then you come back and then you stay at your desk for longer and that's it and then now i have the freedom to go about and do other things that right. are important and I love i'm not being for... micromanaged yeah in a, a crazy corporate company not yeah. saying lionsgate was but uh these <laughs> disclaimer <laughs> <laughs> disclaimer this is the best job right? yeah <laughs> but the, it really is i mean i i thought smaller companies it wasn't going to be as fun or i i was all on board with corporate but um and i still could be i'm mm-hmm. like flexible but it's pretty sweet deal right now because the guys that i work with um they're younger as well and they just get it and mm-hmm they have an idea and i've seen this with all these films it's like it starts with the script mm. and then it, it's just like a roller coaster and then we end up and it ends up getting released in a relatively short amount of time we have the facilities to make it we have the capabilities to do it all and see it all through and it's just it's it's pretty dope to see yeah. sure wait so do, um, do you feel like you have to perform just the oh. same also or? oh yeah i was gonna say so like i do that during <laughs> the day and then at night i like i do the trumpet stuff um and go to sessions or mm. work on music through that and try to network a little bit more and get my name out there. Sure. Uh, what about like live performances? Like, uh, I, so I, stage? I was doing that at first, mm. but it just takes up so much time. Like I'll do it if it's worth it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, if it's like a hundred dollar gig, I'm not gonna, oh, yeah, I'm no. not gonna yeah, do it or 200 time. bucks yeah, because it's time. just, it's, you get into the soundtrack, a uh, sound check a couple hours early. Mm, rehearsals. It's, yeah, exactly. Learning it's the like, music, taking time to learn the music. I, I can't. I, you just. I shit. gotta prioritize. I can't yeah. do that with my current job. And so, <laughs> it's like I'm an adult now. Doing session stuff is like way more <laughs> lucrative. Yeah, yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like you could do all these like little gigs like that, or you could do one big one like Little Nas, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> you never yeah. have to work again for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Were, were you uh, were you at the video shoot for? The... <laughs> I was actually an inmate already, in back. and uh, you you can see me as an extra. Like, hey, Andrew, me. 
I, I was in that shower scene. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know what? Funny story about that. Twerking, like it's... So I had the video, uh, or like I posted it on LinkedIn. I actually have like a pretty big follower on LinkedIn. I have, uh, uh, it's a mask just because i'm always positive i feel like positivity uplifting mm-hmm. uh confidence stuff always outshines anything negative like some people post negative stuff on linkedin it's yeah. like you just gotta be uplifting like even if you get let go for a job like i was you post about the positive stuff that's going to come from it um but i posted the thumbnail you know how on youtube it's auto thumbnail generated when yeah, yeah. embedded mm-hmm. when you post a video it's of Lil Nas in the shower scene. You know, I can't change that. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because that's like, you're going to click on it because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just posted about playing trumpet on the song and everything. And then LinkedIn took it down because it was violating oh, their community. Yeah. They thought it was. Obviously, it's all censored, but they said it was too risque right. for that platform, which I thought yeah, was we hilarious. Don't, uh, we don't allow just... Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it, that, I, don't, I don't know if someone reported it or if they're filter saw it or whatnot mm-hmm. but um you know it's just one of those things mm-hmm. for, for sure <laughs> it's interesting because like just hearing from your point of view um because originally i wanted to be in film like i wanted to film compose. i think both me and dan wanted to to do uh and you still can yeah it can but it's just like I'm in too deep now with like just. I don't think so, man. You'd be surprised. I mean, look at someone like Trent Reznor, right? Like he Nine Inch Nails. He Mm -hmm. he's done that his whole career, and then he pivots. And I've been in so many meetings with so many artists where they're like, I want to get into film because they're tired of touring. They're tired of the same stuff. It's exhausting. Yeah, it it is, man. But it's 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 a totally different beast. When you finish your album as an artist, you're like done, right? There Mm -hmm. might be a couple A and R's who say something, but with film you're getting feedback from the studio executives from the producers from the director mm-hmm. you have all these test screenings who might say this isn't working so you got to be way more flexible and be able to change and orchestrate and do all these mm-hmm. really intricate things that are very technical mm-hmm. and not every artist is good at i mean trent reznor has atticus ross his his composing partner to you know i'm who who they they're a duo and it's like because they complement each other right. and, um it's tough to 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 merge in that scene but you know it happens all the time mm-hmm. all it takes is one good movie yeah, it's so interesting because right? i feel like I have, I have a lot of friends who were composers for, for film I mean, since i've moved here anyway yeah like just network with a lot of people who just happen to be you know film composers or you know composers assistants and stuff and um, and like naturally they have a lot of friends who like tour or doing like a bunch of like live sessions and stuff and all of like you know cats like me and you know all of them like we all desperately want to get into film because even though like you know like you know producing music and touring is like very fulfilling you know like there's you still have that that film geek part of you that desperately wants to like affect culture like you know for like you know silver screen shit yeah you know what I'm saying and all my composer friends are like fuck I really want to go on tour you know what I'm saying like I feel like yeah. like no one is like really it's yeah, like exactly. the grass is greener on the other side. I know, right? Yeah. Every time. Right? It is. And I think I think it has a lot to do with the whole, like... Uh, I don't know, just that, that, that instant gratification. Or that's, I think that's what composers are missing, mm. you know what I'm saying? Because you spend all day, like, you know, in the studio, you're you're composing, you're producing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, once the film is finally done or whatever, like, maybe, maybe it gets an Oscar or whatever, but you never hear... 
You know what I'm saying? Like you never, yeah, you never get that. I think especially yeah, for young people when yeah. we're so accustomed to getting that instant gratification. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, oh, like, like we have like minimal attention spans, and it's like, okay, like, I did this, and I get this as a reward, like instantly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. I, I think as a composer, even though you're affecting culture, especially with film, like you, you just don't get that instant gratification that I think um, like all of us having a, a like a crowd of people. Yeah, yeah man. Like, and sometimes you're already over it because you work on this project for a year or two, and yeah. then it's finally out, and you're like, oh, like you don't even feel that energy anymore because right. you're so yeah, in it and yeah sure that's why i feel like, like cats like hans zimmer really have it figured out you know what i'm saying it's like oh, yeah. going like you know like knock out a bunch of movies or whatever and then like he'll just go on tour and tour the music that he wrote for those movies yeah. he's like playing that was a really cool wait you know? what yeah, oh you didn't know Dude, no he was at coachella a couple years yeah back. Uh, that shit was nuts it was what the, it was the most epic thing ever so he decided to take his show on the road which is insane because it's like an 80-piece orchestra on stage that and is fine i saw that is i called i called this it's, out so he no. he got on the billing for coachella uh-huh. and then the week before he did a couple shows at microsoft theater to kind of give it a run yeah. i went to one of those shows most epic thing i've ever seen like soft, music yo. for inception lion king what? All, the, all this stuff right yo and he had the most badass cello player on the yeah. front like she was in this crazy dress and just going as fuck. yeah <laughs> you said it not me and so she, she's just playing and like there's so much energy and i was like coachella's gonna lose their effing mind yeah over this for sure because it's unlike any i at that time i went to coachella eight times because uh my parents lived close out there in in la quinta Mm-hmm. and so i knew what it was all about and i know what people freak out over and it was just such a unique experience for sure, everyone mm-hmm. because like they don't they're not used to like seeing too many orchestras or people's strings and hearing all the music that they grew up with and all their mm-hmm. those disney films and everything else it was pretty awesome and yeah, i would literally go just it. to hear just to hear time from inception man like literally right. just to hear like like yeah. eight bass trombonists playing as loud as i can yep. at the same time man. yeah like that's, that's just gotta be wild, yeah that would be fire yeah, yeah. That'll be fine. It was dope. So is that why, like, so the the juxtaposition is that the right word? No. Juxtaposition. What, 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 what is no, juxtaposition? No. So, so he's you're doing music supervising as well as uh, like session work, mm-hmm. and you you're an artist as well. So, out of those three, like, what would you say is like most fulfilling? Sorry, that's Steven Spielberg. Um, what? Oh, so Steve? You know Steve too? Steve? Steve? I usually call him Steve. I call him Stevie. I don't know. We've um, been friends for a long time. What? Uh, like, because you what's just most you just sad? dropped a single. Right? Yeah, I did. And I I played bass. Yeah, on it. you played bass on it. Played bass oh, on it. Yeah, I didn't even know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no preservatives. You know, no preservatives. Check it out. But um, <laughs> so out of the those three like you being an artist you being like a session or studio producing slash all of that musician yep. and the music supervising yeah. for you for movies which mm-hmm. one do you think is more fulfilling i mean right now they all pretty much are and okay it's uh it's really gratifying because on the music front with playing trumpet like it's a creative outlet that i mm-hmm. get to exercise and what i was you know trained for but music supervision i'm working with a new crew and new projects every time and making a ton of connections through that as well so it's it's all very satisfying um i don't think i would be doing it if 
it, if it weren't, you know. Sure. Um, so I'm I'm really grateful for for all that. But mm-hmm. the, I can't really pick one or the other. Um, it's they're both they both have like their unique moments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was tough though starting out on tr- with the trumpet thing because like I was going to gigs mm-hmm. in in. I don't know anyone that would just offer. I would go. Yeah. So I was playing in like <laughs> some weird places mm-hmm. and for musicians that should not be putting out music. You no, know, we Bro, you, you're preaching to the crowd. Yeah. 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 Right but right. right, but like if you get if you get, and I wasn't even doing it for pay either. You know, I was at first just trying to get exposure and get. We've been paid in chicken so many times. I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. No, no, like, yeah. like dude, just like chicken and pound cake and the butter. Like the just like green beans with way too much fucking butter yeah. on it. Man. Every every church pays their musicians the same. Like, we can't bless you like we won't bless you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's like our our origin story. It's just you know, playing for chicken dinners and yeah, yeah. <laughs> exposure. You know, yeah. Once I mean, I, got, though, once I guess I got, that like defies the starving artist uh, term, absolutely. but uh-huh. at the same time, there's a reason why every you know says it's there. It's true. It's it's really hard to monetize the arts, mm-hmm. and luckily with streaming and through podcasts and other things, there's awesome ways to do it where you don't have you could just release into the world and hope it generates, right. Right, and right. you'll actually get compensated. But can you imagine like back in the forties, fifties, sixties, like sure, gig yeah. to gig, it's like, what? seven yeah. days a, night, a week? Uh-huh. It's like, dang. Yeah. And they're just like ripping off writers and, and composers. Yeah, and stuff. Oh, right. right. There's no way, in, like no accounting system or anything. Right. Yeah, I don't know, did you ever hear that one bit with uh, John Mulaney? He's just like, "You gonna give me fifty whole dollars for my song? Well, where do I sign, Mister Barry Gordy? <laughs> yeah. Like it's just like, yo, but it's so true and it's so fucked up. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. But I don't. Know, I also wonder, man, just because I mean, obviously, like we, we came up like in the age of streaming and stuff, and that's where you know we sort of built our careers. Or I'm still building my career. I'm still trying right. to figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. You know. But um, you know, I wonder what it was like when, what happened? Like someone would write a song and then. Like, I don't know, it, like, it goes diamond, it goes platinum, it goes gold or whatever. And, you know, like, things were actually, like, you actually get paid from album sales versus streaming. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, yeah. you know, like, I mean, like, you know, $4,000 for a million streams is kind of like... It's, it's a scam. Come it's called, come on, it's called, like, just keep it on it. But I, mean, I think streaming is, like, one of the biggest scams there is. Like, not, well... I, I feel you, you know what I'm saying? But it's, I think it's, it's sort of like a double... It's, it's, it sucks, but it's also really good at the same time because I think yeah. because because the music is so readily accessible to everybody, mm-hmm. right. you know what I mean? You know, like I have music out that if it weren't for streaming would probably never get listened to. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. Like certain songs That's that true. like people, you know, like five ten years ago never would have listened to now are having That's massive understand. TikTok moments. Yeah, and it's just like okay, okay, you know, dude, like Smino went the fuck up on TikTok. You know what I mean? Like yeah. ten years ago, I don't know that, that even though Smino like is, is one of my favorite rappers right now, mm-hmm. I don't know that that he would have been able to have the reach. That he has now, you know right. what I'm saying? Like without streaming, I don't, yeah, it wouldn't have been possible. I don't know. It's 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 like it has pros and cons. Sure. I feel like streaming is just like on the one hand, it's just like what you just saying. Like you, you know, you get exposure points, you know, and people can discover you and stuff like yeah. that. But on the other hand, it's like you get paid point depending on what streaming service it is point zero zero one four cents per. Yeah, Per one, like yeah, that's no, like facts. a slither of a penny, like are yeah. you, for a stream. Like, mm-hmm. come on, now, that's yeah. like ridiculous. So it's just like it is all relative. At the same time, though, because I have some friends on Facebook who complain about the streaming numbers, and it's like I look at their streams, and they might have five thousand on it, 
mm. a track mm-hmm. and it's like well you know uh, these other artists have put in the the time effort marketing and sure you know but at least you're making something as you were saying getting discovered and yeah. there's no other time where i mean i don't know about you growing up but like transcribing stuff on your instrument i'd have to put in the cd and like go back mm-hmm. and replay it and replay it and it's like literally everything right here like yeah there should be superstar musicians coming out these days like jade collier all the time mm-hmm. because yeah. they have all the tools all the resources right. to listen to anything anywhere like we'd I'd always have to buy cds of like weird stuff or take a gamble and buy something that you've never heard before <laughs> you know you'd go into tower records and there'd be that station there where you press the different buttons Dude. and hear the different yeah. a- albums yeah. and stuff yeah, I, 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 I remember when i used to go to fye do the same yeah. thing it was like a bunch of shit and it was, was kind of yeah. awesome man and it's been amazing as a music supervisor too because there's so many songs at my fingertips now that i could right. drop into a film or inquire about that otherwise. What, what is the pro what is your process to like mm-hmm. finding music for mo- movies like finding especially if it's like obscure music like music that people don't really know yeah i don't know if, if that's what's the pro the whole process of like yeah. finding music for movies well first off it's that that aren't mainstream songs right first off it's like you, you need to know from the director if you have the freedom to do that because sometimes okay. they have specific songs that they want and mm-hmm. it's a music supervisor's job to kind of put a reality check on them if mm-hmm. it could fit within budget or if it's even possible for instance uh for the film I'm working on or the film that's coming out the the protege right. um there's a scene uh, I won't give it away but it's like a brutal murder right <laughs> and there was a classic song there's a classic <laughs> there's a classic song in there that they wanted being played and sung at the same time what by on camera talent like oh it's being played through the okay. radio but the on count on camera talent well. is singing to it as well I reach out to the publisher and what you have to do is you put out a quote request which is basically saying we we have interest here's the film this is when it's coming out this is the genre this is what the film's about here's the scene that it's being used this is what we want in terms of clearance like is it going to be a background vocal is it a visual vocal which is was in this case because the talent scene on screen but also how long we're going to license it for, what we're licensing it for, like in perpetuity uh, for worldwide use because it's a movie release, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And how long the usage is. Is it five minutes long? I mean, the song itself is only like four, I mean, the scene is only four minutes, so mm-hmm. it has to be less than that. But then you write the description and like, that's one of my favorite parts is, oh, so, so gets his head blown off, you know? And it's, uh, you're like, I don't know if they're going to be cool with it, but that's like, that's your right as a, uh, owner of music mm-hmm. is to approve or deny those usages because right. you might hear about some bands that are very strict about syncing their music mm. and it has to do with exposure i mean there's some spots like some microsoft commercials i've seen where it ruins a song for me because i've heard it so many times and yeah. it's so annoying uh-huh. and you're like this is this has actually diminished the value of this song to right me. and if an artist does a ton of syncs um they it could be overexposure and like they're making a check at the end of the day and it's great but some people really control that because they're it also has to do with the context is being used in so if it's right. a raunchy sex scene they're like oh, i no, i don't want my music oh, yeah. to be associated with that yeah <laughs> and then uh in this case the bands politely declined right um, and said you know or the writers did mm-hmm. and said this uh so then it's my job 
before I go back to the director and say, say sorry, we can't use the song you wanted, I'll pull alternatives that are in the same genre, same right. feel, might be cheaper, and say and present them to him and or him or her and say, hey, will will this work instead? Yeah. And so it's about finding a solution, what's in budget, what makes sense, and um, there's so many sync libraries and and sync companies that mm-hmm. have catalogs right. that are pitching to me all the time i get all these emails that are like check out this check out this uh, that could be a full-time job i mean just like listening to everything that's submitted to me but sometimes i have a clear direction other times i could rely on those sync libraries to go to and i know that they're trustworthy and we'll get it cleared and because uh, the worst feeling is to present a song to a director or have it queued up and then you can't even use it right and then it's like, well, why did you even present this to me? You know, sure. it's interesting to to hear it from your perspective, uh, because um, you, I, yeah, you had some success. Yeah, I had like a uh, one, my song yeah. synced to um, my song "Shy Wind" synced to uh, it's called "Insecure." Mm-hmm. HBO's "Insecure," massive song. Ma- yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was at a very pivotal moment Keir, of the show. Is it Kier uh, Lehman? I think is the music supervisor for that. I forget. I'm not sure, but the but the way. Yeah. Um, I went about getting it synced was that they had a writing camp specifically for uh, Insecure. Yeah. So I went there. Um, I went there. It was me and Masego. We went there um, and they gave us a sheet of like, okay, this scene, we need this kind of music for yeah. this scene. They, they described the scene. Yeah. Um, and for the, for the song that we did, I kind of already had the song written, Shy Wind. Um, but we, we just kind of tailored it um, to kind of fit the mold of the scene. That's great. Um, so that must have been an amazing experience. Yeah, it was fire. And so when I saw it, when I first saw it, uh, the episode, it was and it was a really pivotal moment in the show too. Mm-hmm. Um, was, they had a really big fight. I think it was season the last season we just had it that that just came out. Um, but uh, Issa Rae and Issa and uh, her best friend had a big fight. And that's the song that you hear. I don't know if you guys want to, if you're listening and, and you, you want to go, go back <laughs> I and check it. it. It was great. But great yeah, it's, um, and so when I heard it, I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. That was my, fir- that was my, my first like sync on screen. Yeah. Um, it was like a really good feeling. Yeah, it's a that. great moment. And yeah. the, the music for that show was always really great. And we I worked on the show Nashville as well and we've had a couple of writer oh, nice. writer camps as well and everyone just gets together. I don't know how many groups were there that day that you went. Yeah, it, it, well, this year's writing camp was is a lot it was a yeah. lot of people there, but this was like last yeah. last year. And it was like hundred and fifty like producers, oh, musicians. God, it was, yeah. Yeah. It was just pandemonium. But uh, the, the one yeah. I went to well, I went to both, but the one last year, uh, it was it wasn't that many people there and it was a nice relaxed feeling. They gave us a sheet of the scenes and um, mm-hmm. you know we just had to write music you just uh, have the day to do it or is it a two day thing or it was it... like a it was like a two or three day writing camp mm-hmm. and um, and it, 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 as soon as they heard it it's like oh that's it I was Excellent. like oh <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> pay but, me uh, right <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but just kind of kind of segueing in um, segways oh my god what's going on Okay. Segwaying into uh, our, our discussion today, um, we're going to be discussing indie versus commercial music, right? Um, so I want to know, like, what do you think the major differences are between indie and and more mainstream commercial success in music? Um, I'll, I'll start. You start there. What do you think? I don't. When you say, do you mean like 
like indie, like indie the genre, or you just mean like independent? Independent, like okay. some uh, someone who's like me. I would be well, I'm not really considered indie, but um, like independent, like indie music, indie. Mm. Yeah. So when you think of indie, I'm, I'm not like not mainstream, not pop. Yeah. But like, well, I get that. So I, I, I think, no, I think my question was really. Uh, I don't you know how like indie based like indie literally means independent, but because of like the sort of commercial success of indie music, mm-hmm. all of it kind of sounded very similar. You know what I'm saying? In the yeah. same way that like you can write like class, the classic rock is literally classic rock, but because of the sound, like all of it sounds so similar, classic rock is also a genre. You know what I'm saying? So you can technically yeah. write in 2021 yeah. a classic rock song, even yeah. though it wasn't written in the 70s. Right. You know what I mean, so but never mind. No, 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 no. I completely understand what you're saying. Okay, cool. But I, I mean it in terms of just like. Um, not the genre, but like, for instance, I'm trying to think of someone who's not like a major artist, but they're they're independent and their their music doesn't sound like, uh, you know, poppy or mainstream music. For instance, um, I'm sure. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of an artist. A good example. Um, I'm trying to understand this question. Yeah. What is the major difference? <laughs> what do you what, think the major differences are between indie and more mainstream commercial success? So, for example, I think for me, the the shy win placement, right? Sure. I, at that point, I was indie. Mm. That would be a indie success for me because that was something you know that was a success. Mm-hmm. Now, someone more mainstream, for example, uh, um, uh, uh, Industry Baby, that song with mm. Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow is doing great numbers right now. This, I, I think that would be considered mainstream success. Uh, what do you, what do you think the differences are? I mean, I, don't, I think there, there are a few. I mean, like, I don't, that's, that's that's an interesting question. It like, is. Like, it's I, I, think, I think, I think generally, like. An independent success, like yeah, typically you just have like like way less of marketing budget to throw around and stuff like that. So something that like I don't know, like that. Okay, like say for instance, like if Drake dropped a song or whatever, two months later that song has like fifteen million plays. Right. That, for him, that is a complete failure. But if I write the second decided to leave, oh, I want to be an artist, you know what I'm saying? And I drop a song today, and two months from now it has a million plays. I'm like, yo, I'm fucking killing the game. <laughs> Like, nobody's good but me. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this is... So, you know, I, I think... Yeah, I, I think the difference between an indie, like a commercial success versus an indie success is, you know, mostly just Numbers. expectation. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and perspective. Right. I think more so in... in uh, um, like, for indie, I, I kind of think that it's more of like you kind of... You... you, you you have more control creatively, like you have more creative control, um, as support as opposed to like more mainstream. You kind of have to tailor your music to a certain. Uh, you have to kind of tailor it a certain way so that it can be accepted for the majority of the population to kind of enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm just like it is a very interesting question like, well, I think with mainstream you have someone like Billie Eilish who mm. was such a fresh sound because her music does sound indie and mm. it's all made with her brother and you don't have these superstar producers being brought in mm. uh, but she still has the marketing budget and the resources to and the intrigue to right. to hit on a mainstream level but her music is very 
you wouldn't consider it that mainstream at first right no but uh she was just so intriguing as an artist and, and will continue to be and um well, hopefully yeah, yeah yeah you could only hope and that's don't the, sell out billy don't yeah sell out. well <laughs> i mean when she when i don't know that's the other thing about selling out it's like you just gotta you gotta do what the tide takes you what are you gonna say no to all these opportunities sure. i mean i guess you can but yeah. it's uh I think that was always a term that I kind of raised an eyebrow on selling out. It's like, yeah. uh, what success is wrong now, you know? Yeah, no, <laughs> no. It's, it's, right. Uh, and um, there are smaller wins that indie artists could do that mainstream artists can't do anymore. So it's like all what? relative. Like um, they could play to, they could work with anyone that they want to work with. They're not contracted by these big. Uh, record labels or mm-hmm. having to uh, do certain obligations to fulfill out a contract they probably don't have a major advance that they're having to pay back out of pocket they have more creative control in the right. overall process ranging from their artwork to yep. who they collaborate with yep. um, yeah that kind of ties into the question I was yeah. just about to ask like what's the case for staying for staying more indie and you put you put out a lot of great points what do you think Dan like, why, why would someone what are some of the reasons why you would stay like stay indie well, on top of what, yeah, what yeah. he just said I, I, I mean if I were an artist uh, I don't know probably probably just wanting to like maintain artistic integrity or whatever and just mm-hmm. have the freedom to do whatever I want to do mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying because like right. I mean, actually no that, 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 that sort of made me think of another question like well you, like you brought up Billie Eilish um, and like right this second uh, because of all her success and because of the expectation, you know what what her fans want, and I'm I'm sure because of what her fans want, what her label is insisting that she does, mm-hmm. uh, she can't really deviate too much from what she's been doing. I mean, obviously she can like experiment and stuff like that, you know, because like, she has the she's so successful that she has the leverage to experiment. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not as much as she wants to, but like she she can cert- she can certainly experiment. Um, but her compared to someone like Kendrick Lamar or whatever, mm. where, you know, he was making, like, you know, like, basically, like, radio hits, you know, he, was, he had, like, swimming pools and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a year or two, and mm-hmm. we have To Hip a Butterfly, mm-hmm. right. which is a completely, like, sonically, a completely different thing, mm-hmm. you know, and he I mean, he was a commercial success, so, like, what separates him from someone like Billy? Because mm-hmm. I, I can't, and again, I, I'm, I'm pretty fresh to the industry, so I might be completely wrong, but I can't see Billy being able to experiment nearly as much as Kendrick did mm. when he made that transition from swimming pools to the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. Yeah. I, mean, I think, yeah. I think you'd be surprised because you take someone like Taylor Swift who started out country and then mm-hmm. she pivoted to pop, which elevated her to new stardom. Uh, and then she, now she's back on a f- going transition to folk mm. uh, on her la- latest two albums and it's all working. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's worked with Kendrick, and I think Billy's just so new and so fresh. She has endless opportunities on where to go. I mean, she could continue to pump out. Um, I don't think either that she's uh, been in her full voice yet either. Mm-hmm. It's kind right. of like a little um, not as fully projected. I think she's kind of reserved right now, and she could just let it be full on ballads and going mm-hmm. crazy and. 
uh, she also really hasn't collabed much with too many other people yet. That's either. true. That's true. So that I mean, I there's so it, there are endless possibilities, and that's what I've always loved about Kanye. I mean, like look at how much his sound has changed mm. over the years. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Kanye is an enigma, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's completely. Like, like but we need we need people like that, yeah. and we need people to. You never get tired of him because he's always mm. switching up his genre and it's i think it's a really big compliment when you're like no please go back to like that all their stuff yeah, or like no, i miss that old yeah, sound yeah, yeah. Or, for uh, sure you I, know I, what i mean I, I think for me personally just my personal experience is, uh, of being as being an artist a new artist anyway but an artist nonetheless is that a staying indie you you get which is very important for me is creative control mm-hmm. i want to be able to I'm, I'm a virgo so i like to be in control of just like Okay, this is what I want my out. What you were saying earlier, this is what my album cover to look like. Mm-hmm. This uh, this is the music I want to make. This is what I want it to sound. This is, you know what I'm saying. So yeah. all of that that creative control is a huge thing for me. Yeah. And on top of like owning my own masters, own own ownership as yep. well. Yeah. Yep. Um. And when going mainstream, you kind of sacrifice a lot of that. Yeah. And it's just like you know. I mean, I think every artist wants to get to a point where they could sustain off of their music alone right and at a certain point you do need to get a team and you do need to get a record label if you do want to get to the next level that's true so it's uh push and pull and i think like artists later on end up regretting the deals that they go into i mean uh, a lot of them don't though a lot of them are a lot of them (laughs) we love you man (laughs) a lot of them are happy a lot of them aren't so it's you know it's like every every drop has a ripple in the pool and you just gotta accept what it is mm-hmm. um but that being said i think being educated in the music business as well it's like one of those things where people fall into because they love it so much and then they don't get educated on the back end of it and that's how they usually yeah, get screwed over for sure and for um, sure. they don't look at contracts they don't have lawyers read it when they in- enter into these yeah. initial agreements and everything comes at you really quick mm-hmm. as well because you got to hit while the iron's hot and yeah. you could have a hit this is the way our society is now you could have a hit song on tiktok and be playing on fallon a month later yeah or yeah some yeah. that other is show. wonderful and terrifying all the same it is. yeah it is. so some people are built for that like some some people it's been a slow burn and they they've done they've been on the road a little bit they know mm-hmm. the inner workings others can you imagine making a song in your basement and then having all these people adore you and want a piece of you and then sure. money coming at you it's like very sudden so yeah that's the allure of it uh it's kind of a gamble and i don't think anyone who's presented with the opportunity to be at that next level is gonna necessarily want to turn it down but you do have some artists uh at least like literally on the artwork side that i've seen where if they're paintings like Banksy or someone, mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't want to be revealed or right. be, but he still became mainstream. Like yeah. everyone knows mm-hmm. what Banksy is, yeah. you know. Yeah. But uh, another interesting one is like Goatye. Uh, I don't know what really happened, but the, like uh, with Kimbra for like somebody that I used to know. Kimbrell. Uh, Kimbra. Oh, Kimbra. So, like, what you know about Kimbrell? That I used to. <laughs> okay. You know that song. It, yeah, won, yeah. it won Song of the Year. Um, and yeah, where where did I, I mean? Like, I 
you're talking about uh, Gautier. Yeah, or, Gautier. Gautier. Okay, yeah. got you. Yeah, what happened? Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. They, like, I, wait, is Gautier I, a guy or is it a band? I kind of assumed it was a band, but uh, I wasn't sure. I, was I saw him at the Greek. Uh, I don't... I don't know if it refers to him or the band. Got you. Yeah. I mean, speak about an indie artist who like took yeah. off, right? And then, I mean, could you hear about that all the time though with artists mm-hmm. that do that? They just blow up. The group Fun, like they went crazy. I loved Fun so much, man. They're I really fun. Did, man. It yeah. was a. It was a. Boo! That man, boo! The was so great, man. <laughs> they were like the new queen. Yeah, low yeah. key, and I think that like their songs were, I was like, yeah, they were like they were anthems. Like the, yeah, like they were they were killing at the same time that Mumford and Sons was killing. Oh, absolutely. And they were really yeah. writing that like it wasn't really folky, but like I, I it was it was like pop but folk, and I feel like all mm-hmm. their songs were like hidden, but they could also be like sung like I don't know by like A sailors or like, yeah, like, right. like you know what I'm <laughs> saying like like yeah. they all could have been like nautical hymns, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, yeah. Man, it was, it was fucking tight, man. And, and the, yeah, the lead singer, his range was nuts, man. It was like, just like a male soprano, like super soprano, man. And that's the tough thing about bands that we see so often. We saw with One Direction and seeing all these bands. It's like all it takes is one person to break off. Yeah. And then it really is hard to find a band that's going to be with it till the end. Like yeah. Dave Matthews Band, mm-hmm. who's like one of my favorite bands. But it's like <clears throat> they, they have a pack and they've just been crushing it ever since the I mean, formation. Maroon 5 too. You know, uh, yeah, Maroon no, for sure. Well, but but yeah, I was just saying like, oh, you yeah. know, it, if someone like Dave or Adam would leave, mm-hmm. that's kind of it. Yeah. Like Loki. Right. Yeah. I, 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 is there, just, is there a band that like all of the members are, are kind of equally like important? Like, yeah. Stuff? I'm um, trying to think. Like, is, there, is there? I can't think Maybe of any Maybe the well, the Rolling Stones I would put up there. Okay. Because. But the drummer did say he's not going to do the tour this year oh, because really? of uh, COVID concerns. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I believe. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was the reason why. But yeah, I, well, I mean, like, 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 like current cool. bands. I, I can't really think of anybody. You know? Me neither. All right, the second. I think. I think. I don't know. Like, like cats like Kill Switch Engage. You know, they kind of figured it out where they would just like switch. Um, they would just switch lead singers every once in a while, and it was mm. it was fine. Oh, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. And uh, yeah, no, it's but that's I can't really think of anybody mm-hmm. where like all the band all, all the band members were like equally yoked and equally important. Yeah, sure, that's, that's, one direction oh. kind of. I mean, Harry obviously was the yeah. f- the focal point, but was uh, uh what's that guy's name? Zane? Zane? Is he was he part of that too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 See. Yeah. Well, that's more of a. He broke away first. Yeah. Then Harry Styles did his started doing his and thing then too. Lee, so. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Um. How do you think artists and the music they make and performances change when they become more mainstream? For for I think, um, I think for me personally, I think that like, can you turn it back on, please? <laughs> um, I, it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we gonna get there man we gonna get there yeah, that, well that's okay you brought up a good point because it's like when I was doing all the trumpet stuff it's like kind of like not saying this is a penny stock but like you you do all these like little things cause like you you want <laughs> you know hear me out hear me out <laughs> Yo, I was that, that, was, that was slick. I'm no, point, you want to be on the rise. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is obviously not like the Joe Rogan podcast, right. but it's like I, you guys are like dope as hell, and mm-hmm. I think you guys are gonna make it. You know, mm-hmm. and I know there's like 
it's just fun to be a part of things you know and not everyone has that wherewithal though to like do things that aren't already alluring to be at the very top right yeah that's true it's a a lot of artists just don't have that wherewithal Mm -hmm. i'm with it man yeah and even it's i think this is a good example this podcast this podcast is like if i were to get to that level if we were to get to that level of like joe rogan I would want it to have the same, like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't want it to kind of have to tailor it to be like main, Great, more mainstream. Absolutely. I want it to have the same type of perfect feel. example. And the reason why I say that is because now he's under control by Spotify. He started putting out these episodes where Spotify employees were upset at what he was saying, so he has to deal with that. Yeah. He changed sets. Uh, he was in like that's because like, he moved though, right? It was, but he moved to Texas. But they could have recreated it so it had mm. more of a home feel, right. kind of like this. But like, it it felt weird. It felt off. He removed it from being exclusively on like YouTube with the full two hours to yeah. now only being on Spotify. Mm. Yeah. So there were it's like, but he secured the bag. And, yes. <laughs> and so same with indie artists when you when you got that bridge like. You have to go in a certain direction. You have to play those corporate shows. Mm-hmm. You have to do these late night performances that you right. might not want to do. Um, you have to put out a certain amount of songs, a certain album cycles, publicity tours, all these little like intricate things uh, that you know you might not necessarily want to do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's yeah, interesting. It's, yeah, it's an interesting thing, and I'm just trying to think like, are there any artists that are mainstream that have kind of kept their soul kept their original feel of just how they were and also secured the bag um i don't know man i don't know I don't, if that's a thing i think i think uh, like, the, like, the, like the first example that i could think of was and before tyler was like igor tyler and stuff like mm-hmm. that you know like yonkers and stuff like that and he's I was done like, a really yeah, good job yeah like his his first album and sec- like uh bastard and goblin and all that stuff like that, it's still yeah that's a great example yeah, cause, yeah. i mean because you know like the the aesthetic and the sonic didn't really change like the, the songs didn't really change too much you know they were still going for that like that really like lo-fi like purposely like shitty like drum sounds yeah. and like, like like there was no clarity in the production at all you know what i'm saying right you know what i'm saying but i think it was it was it was maybe initially like by accident and then like as mm-hmm. it went on it was you know purposeful you know i think just to keep those sonics and it, yeah. it worked really well yeah you know what i mean that, that is a very good example Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Um, I'll do one more question before we head out. Um, <laughs> do you think everyone eventually wants commercial success? Do you guys think, like... No. You don't think so? I don't think so. Uh, okay, commercial success with, like... Maybe, like... like so. I mean, financially, sure. But yeah, yeah, the okay. things that come along with it, I don't think so. So do you think... Okay, with the Tyler, the creator um, example, mm. do you think he... Well, of course he has commercial success... But do you think he still, like, he has commercial success and also he, he kind of stayed the same? You know what I mean? So do you think people want that or do you think people are willing to kind of sacrifice uh, their originality and their, their uh, what makes them them for the commercial success? Well, hey, I don't, I don't think Tyler's uh, Tyler stayed the same. I think for his first couple albums, like two, three albums or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, like once he was doing, you know, uh, like the whole Cherry Bomb situation where he was linking yeah. with Pharrell and stuff like that. Right, you right. know, he, he like he, I mean, he grew as a person. He grew, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, he was more, 
comfortable, or it's rather it seemed anyway, that he was comfortable like being himself and you know like oh like 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 basically like talking shit and you know like like saying the f word and stuff like that all the time and all his music and, and you know like talking about wild shit like horror core type stuff you know what i mean you said like horror whore. no horror core oh okay. yeah no, like <laughs> like like how used to say wild shit yeah like, he did he did i'm not gonna repeat it because it's, <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, yeah, it's like it is, yeah no just in his music man like but yeah tron cat was nuts yeah you know what i'm saying yeah, like yeah, all yeah. that like that was kind of wild uh, you know but uh, no, I think like as he grew as a person, like he he definitely like, sonically he changed a lot. Kind of changed, a yeah, bit yeah, more. yeah, absolutely. Man. He like, he he went from Yonkers, and fast forward five years, and we have Cherry Bomb and Flower Boy right. and stuff like that. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's so true. yeah, um, but no, I think there 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 are there are a lot of people who want success without the commercial success. You know, I don't think everybody wants to have like two point five and like two point five million in the bank and stuff like that because they did a deal with like Apple and they did a deal yeah. with like a bunch of other people. No, like like for, for a lot of creatives because of the because of all the shit that comes with being commercially successful, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being indie successful is is enough and it's fine. Right. It's sustainable. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like making like low six figures as an artist and mm-hmm. you know, like I mean I don't I don't know how Alan Stone is doing or whatever. Yeah. But I mean he's I don't know, but like, I mean, like, granted, he has to, he's not doing, like, you know, 100 million streams or anything like that. Right. But his music is still authentic. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. He's one of, like, one of my favorite vocalists, period. As a writer, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to have to tour for a long time, you know, to, to maintain what <laughs> no, he's I mean, built. Yeah. yeah, to yeah. maintain what he's built. But also, like, clearly, he loves performing, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and that level of success is 100% enough for him. He doesn't have like radio hits and that's okay. Like right. American privilege, American privilege and unaware were bangers, man. And they're going to be bangers forever. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. But. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Um, well, I, I think that a lot of artists don't plan this out before they get into it. And mm-hmm. I think that's a, a big problem because if you don't have a definition of success or what commercial success is to you, then you might not achieve it or even want that Mm -hmm. and so like you were saying just making something in the low six figures i mean a a lot of american households and people would be really happy with that right yeah (laughs) Yeah. and i'll take that yeah seriously and if you could do that through music it's it's like hats off to you but i think that's a problem with the generation that's below us is that a lot of them just want the very top and aren't seeing that there's plenty of spaces in between Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. Not yeah. everyone can be Billie Eilish, and you might not even want to be. So, right. having a clear direction, and you know, Kanye says if you fall from what does he say, fall from stars, so you land on a cloud. It's like, mm-hmm. well, at least have something that you know could bring in the steady. Yeah, you're still you're still above the ground. You're yeah, not on the exactly. ground. You know, what you mean? gotta. But like, you gotta. If you're opening all these doors and they're not working, it's like you gotta just redefine your approach and. Um, it's why we all liked watching American Idol, the intros to it, because some people were so delusional and thinking that they were good at it when yeah. they really weren't. Yep. And, um, yeah, yeah, you're just going to get that with any profession. Well, actually, no. It's not like you're going to get someone that wants to be a doctor and, like, they're horrible at studying because yeah. there's clear parameters that will prevent them from getting in the field. For sure. And excelling in it. Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't pass the bar, you're not going to be a lawyer. Right. You can't do medical school, you're not going to be a doctor. Music is like, oh, yeah, it's like you could talk, okay, maybe, uh, maybe you have a chance, you know, (laughs) maybe you could, uh, you you don't have to be an amazing vocalist or 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 composer, like, to that's not be successful at music, right? You really just need to know how to, like, either be 
really just to resonate with people. Yeah, and honestly, exactly. I think I, I yeah. Mean, even and that's what I like about it because yeah. it's like me personally as an artist, like I don't, I'm not, I don't think consider myself like the best vocalist, mm. but I can still. Uh, with me not being the best vocalist, I can yeah. still be successful, and that's why, like, it's like kind of, it's kind of fair. I like that. Yeah, you know and, and it's all about networking and who you know. Because like, I'm not the best trumpet player, and if only the best trumpet players would get all. You're the- a pretty good trumpet player. Yeah, okay. you are. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was fishing for that one. He's <laughs> like, guess caught, I got it. <laughs> yeah, caught, caught a big one on that one. Still reeling it in. Still reeling. Um, but it was, it's just like, you know, you gotta just, it's all about networking and personality because as you guys know, with like being in the band and stuff, it's 99% of the time you're hanging out with each other. You don't want like that dude that you don't want to be around. And so you gotta be chill and and cool and people want to work with you and do business with you. For sure. I mean, like, especially like in the early days when, uh, when Masego and the whole Trap House Jazz situation was like just building, there were a yeah. lot of cats that could have ended up in the band mm. that did not mm. because they just weren't cool to be around, man. Like, just, like <laughs> they didn't pass the vibe check. Yeah, man. And it's so like, and honestly, I think, like, and one of them is before. It. No. <laughs> <laughs> and here, and, here it is. and now yeah. he's running a podcast. Right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, like like Max sucks at music, but he's so fun to be around. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 yeah, you guys it. Like, what is, what's that group? The Billy Manilli? Oh, yeah. Uh, we were going to oh do a God. movie on them. Uh, and, you know, hearing about their story, it's just like, well, yeah. what made them so appealing? They're like, cool, too cool. They couldn't even sing. Yeah, that wasn't they, even them singing. Yeah, yeah they were. So it's like, singing. if anyone could make it, really. Yeah. Remember for sure. William Hung. Or, it's a lot of artists, mainstream artists. I'm like, how'd you get there? Right. Mm. But I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, as you guys, as musicians, how you feel confident enough to to do these things if you don't have some, at least some formal training or like at least know the craft of your instrument right it's like mm-hmm. to have that confidence though i mean yeah. i'm all go for it if you can yeah, but i i still don't feel confident sometimes i'm like i don't i'm not that good at theory I, i'm not the best but like you got to just do it if you yeah, want at yeah, some man. point i feel like it's it's being uh as time progresses like for instance in the 40s and 30s where jazz was yes. like the mainstream mm-hmm. like you have to you be very had to know, you had to know. You all had the to, standards. Yeah, you had to be transposing. Read. You had to be solo. Improv. Yeah, yeah. Impro- you know what I'm saying? All of oh, that. Yeah. But as time progresses, especially now, it's a stark difference between oh my god, the 40s and now. Like anybody can play. Like you know, for example, take for example. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> No, the, 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 jam, the jam sessions that you guys have had here it's like yeah, yeah. it's like everyone's on the same page because someone starts playing the bass and mm-hmm. another one plays drums sax or whatever it may be and it's like we all get in a groove it's like really tough to find that yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah um Ryan what do you got anything coming out I know I know we you know you just got the song uh, Lil Nas X <laughs> you got the Protégé coming out you already had um you already have uh the my wife's the, the wife's bodyguard Hitman's wife's, Hit, bodyguard. Hitman's wife's bodyguard. You're the first person to mess that up, I'm by sorry, the way. I, in I, all I, of America, I, not one person failed. ever wrote it wrong or messed it up or said it wrong. So, the uh, first. And you just have the song just dropped out. Yeah. Uh, just, your single just dropped. No preservatives yeah. uh, that I'm on. <laughs> Giggity. Um, so, <laughs> uh, you, do you have a, a project coming out soon? So, next week. The, the 20th August 20th is the protege the film's coming right. out my music supervised that got some good stuff in there it yeah like it's it's lit and Maggie Q did all of her own stunts except what? for except for two okay due to insurance issues but 
Um, yeah, she's super badass. And uh, it's directed by Martin Campbell, who directed Goldeneye and Casino Royale. Okay. And Great Goldeneye, growing up, I mean, playing that yeah. game 24-7. Yeah. That was just Nintendo it was crazy to work man. with him. Have you tried to play that as an adult? No, I haven't. <laughs> is it insane? Or is it just like, why did it's, we spend so much time on this? Right. I mean, I understand. Like, back then, I understand why we, you know, but as an adult especially if you've ever played like cod or oh of or course or something, yeah. just like, right you're just like this is what amateur is hour going on? Really? Or, and then it's so hard i remember how everyone was like always like you can't be odd job no one no one's allowed to be it. <laughs> oh no, it's was, not fair man. no it's not fair um so yeah i i'm getting my album mix and master it's called two lane okay uh it's gonna be seven tracks nice. really excited about that nice, and nice. then um there's another song i played on recently which is going to be pretty big i feel <laughs> hopefully okay uh I've been doing these gigs on Sound Better. Um, that? It's a company that Spotify bought. Uh, right. And basically people reach out to me and they say they need trumpet on a song and they send me the stems and I just send them back the stems and do it. And it's like I've been on it for a year na- a year and a half now and I've done 126 gigs. Oh, and so it was really nice. I might have to hop on that. Dude, you'd crush it. But I mean... Sound Better? Sound Better. Yeah, and so it was just a nice little way to like connect with other people and earn a little supplemental mm-hmm. income as well yeah, yeah. you know um so i've been doing that but that's um that's been good and then yeah just we were wrapping up two horror films one called a bizu and another called the piper i'm really excited for those the bizu? a bizu what was that about uh, well, no, I could talk about it. Uh, the premise is like Abizu's the the taker of children, and mm. uh, it's it it's about this guy who goes back to his father's place, and um, he essentially is trying. I don't. Uh, well, it'd be better if I just read the synopsis because I oh, uh, I always botch these things. But there's some jump scares in it that still scare me, and I've really? seen the cut like dozens yeah. of times you know so i'm really excited about okay. that one is that based on like an actual folktale or is it is it, yeah really yeah, yeah. that's I gotta, I gotta watch yeah we're we're in the process we're gonna be scoring that soon nice we had the scoring session on monday okay um which is where you know you go in the room with the music editor the director and, and the composer and you say i want music here this is the kind of music we need to make mm-hmm. yada 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 so it's called like a spotting session or something like that yeah spotting yeah. session okay. mm-hmm. And then um, Piper is all based on an orchestra that gets possessed and turns evil because of the melody that's being played. Go on. <laughs> right. Yes. And so I'm that's really great. excited about it. There was a lot involved prior to that because we had to come up with the melody before shooting because it's sung on camera, it's whistled, it's played on mm, flute, on violin. Right. And like you need the talent to know what to play. What key is it in? <laughs> I, if i start singing it you'll become possessed like so i can but we had to create like a melody that's instantly gonna be like oh shit's gonna go down yeah, yeah, yeah. so that was an awesome process and yeah we got uh expendables four on deck okay yeah yeah okay that's a good one and then i feel like expendables is about to be like the, the new fast fast and furious i i hope i so. hope and then uh, two other projects. Uh, one is uh, Boy George. Uh, what? Uh, story of Boy George. So oh, I'm is, really that, is that like a biopic? Or? Yeah, I'm really nice. looking for it. But it breaks the fourth wall a couple times oh, as well. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to working with him. And he has an am- amazing story, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, then another film called Red Sonia. 
Which, oh, they, they're, re, they're doing a mm-hmm. redo of that? Yeah, yeah. I remember that back in the 70s. Really? Like Arnold Schwarzenegger was yeah, in it. Yeah, Bridget. No, yeah. And uh, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, he's yeah. that little crush in Red Sony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've not seen Red Sony. So. You haven't? No. I'm surprised. Me too, man. Wait, was it good? I mean, no, okay, but, so you know. know. It, was, it was good. I might have seen it. <laughs> it's like Conan the Warrior, like the original. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. like early, early or, like super early Schwarzenegger, then. Yeah, I for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Conan the Barbarian. Man. Okay. So that's it. That's it. Right, man. Yeah. Uh, so, well, guys, follow us on, uh, we're going to wrap up soon because mm-hmm. uh, Ryan has to go to a movie premiere. But uh, uh, follow us on uh, Instagram. You can follow Dan at uh, Dan X Forte. Dan X Forte. Here we go. Mm. Um, you can follow Ryan at Music Before. Music Before, and then uh, you can follow me at Music After. And uh, no, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> no, follow me at on. I copyrighted that. Uh, right. So please don't. <laughs> follow me on uh, Instagram at Maxwell underscore Sensei, um, and also follow the Lobby Call podcast. Thank group. you, Lobby Call. Yeah, there we go. You guys are doing it. It's yeah. great. Here we go. It's cool. I'm not mad at it, man. Yeah, man. Oh, also follow uh, part of start. Ryan on TikTok. Same, music same. before. Yeah, we go. Music before and everything else is music before, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, all Website, social media platforms. So. Socials. There we go. Only fans. He's <laughs> <laughs> like naked <laughs> playing with the trumpet and shit. Like. <laughs> I thought about starting one for just trumpet, but I was like, how is this going to play out? Like, How many not a good oil sponsorships do you have at this point? <laughs> just not going to play out well. I mean, because you hear about yoga people and chefs on OnlyFans and stuff. Like naked or just... No, no that's, the, that's the misconception about OnlyFans. Only it's supposed to be like a Patreon. But, okay, but gotcha. it's like they're not going to... I personally don't believe they're going to venture off. Like when you hear it, they mm-hmm. just built that reputation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like... Because okay. like, I thought more people, especially after Cardi B, mm-hmm. would, would get on it music inclined and right. maybe start dropping snippets of exclusive mm. singles right, or right, cool right, things right. like that. I, I mean, I guess, I guess it's I mean, it's still, make... it could still happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's, I don't know. I feel like it's just harder to make noise, you know, like 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 if like, if Adam Neely gets an OnlyFans, you know what I'm saying? It'll be for music and I'm not going to subscribe. I'm just going to go to his Patreon. You know what I mean? Like, it's, cause right. I, like yeah, if I find out that Adam Neely is on OnlyFans, I'm just like, Adam Neely is like naked on OnlyFans. And I don't want to see Adam Neely... <laughs> You know, play, like, like well, just like playing bass and giving me music theory lessons. Right. Yeah. Dude, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not right. Ah, but it's not I will bad. say, no. like, <laughs> with, with other platforms censoring some artists who do get a little too risque, I mean, mm. it would be a smart move to go to something like OnlyFans, where yeah. it's not. I mean, because there's some crazy things on there, so yeah. they're certainly not going to censor like a, a music artist saying bad things mm. or some some other yeah. stuff. So. Wait, is, is is Patreon like that? Is like Patreon like I don't know, like like. Facebook or Tumblr and that like you can't really there's some things um, you just can't put on there uh, no I I haven't heard uh, uh, like limitations on Patreon gotcha. it's just more of a a place where you could monetize more it's based on like the subscription tiers that you subscribe mm. to is how much you're gonna access you're gonna get to content but it, it is it's pretty tough for like a uh, content creator to sustain on Patreon as well because you have to be making certain content for certain tiers of the certain mm. subscribers you have yeah. as well. yeah, so that's, yeah. that adds a whole nother layer yeah. but again making high uh, low six figures through that that's an amazing opportunity I'll take that yeah <laughs> alright guys alright um, we've done it all <laughs> said it all done it all there we go 
We're going to wrap up. Uh, it's been another episode of Lobby Call. Uh, and that's a wrap. <laughs>